Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's What's your weird story? story? Hello, Weirdsville. Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Hope everyone is doing well as we brace for a winter snow alert. I've been a little bit under the weather. Hang with me. I know I may not sound 100%, but I'm here. And with me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Adam Beebe. How are you, sir? Hello, buenos tardes, amigo. Hola, my good friend. Um... A little bit of lean for you there. Love it. Uh, I am. I'm doing pretty good, man. I've already had some snow uh, this this week. It, well, yeah, this week, and uh, maybe some more coming in midweek. So I'm. Uh, I like it. I don't like driving on ice, but snow. Yeah. You guys are probably going to be getting what we're getting tomorrow, which is mm-hmm. this uh, this big. This big snow apocalypse or whatever it is that's coming our way. I think yeah. we were, they had us at one inch and they've upped it to two to four. So to us, that's like a foot of snow because people yeah. can't drive in the shit and it just, uh, it gets gnarly. Man. And um, people used to could, man, when we were young. Yeah. We were yeah. raised. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I learned to drive on snow and on ice. Yeah. Yeah. Before regular driving. Right, um, because Dad was, you know, he was at one point he was a farmer, and if anything happened when we, because you'd have to go out and break ice, yeah. so the cattle could right. drink, yeah, uh, have water, so yeah. we'd go out in the country, break ice, and if anything it should happen to to my dad, he wanted us to be able to, you know, drive him in because, you know, this was pre cell phone, yeah, man, so yeah, absolutely, man, back when you had to survive, yep. uh, on your own. Yep, you um, use your wits to survive, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Exactly, pre-plan, you know, that old Boy Scout motto. What is it, uh, always, what is it, uh, uh, always be prepared or whatever it is? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to see you struggle with that. Um, <laughs> always be prepared. I was not a Boy Scout. Um, I only know that because my son was a Boy Scout for a spell. Yeah. You know? Yeah, my brother was, and uh, he wasn't even an Eagle Scout. Oh, oh my gosh, man. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Big, big yeah. honor. That's a big right. honor. It yeah. was, yeah. So, and it, I, But me, uh, didn't go to any Scouts, couldn't be asked, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same here, man. I could care less. Hey, shout out to your Cincinnati Bengals. They, uh, they are in it, man. They won their division, and... They look pretty damn strong, man. I, I I look for them to be in the Super Bowl. I think they'll win next week, and um, God, they look good. So, well, all right, good, I don't uh, I don't know how the man. city. I'm sure the city gets behind them pretty good, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. big, big, big. Uh, who day and all of that stuff. Who day? Yeah, you know. Yeah. But you know, yeah, it's definitely. Um, it's well, it's a sports town, really. Yeah. Yeah, um, with the uh, the the baseball and yep. the uh, 
the hockey too. And they had uh, it's been a dry spell for them in football for the last couple of years, or not mm. not last couple of years. Sorry, last couple of years they've been decent. Before that was a dry spell, just forever bad. But uh, but yeah, man, yeah. So cool deal. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you should be. Uh, I'm sure your folks around you're stoked. Our Dallas Cowboys, the folks around here that are Dallas Cowboy fans, are disappointed. They got beat, and it didn't look good. So uh, we'll see see if they make any changes. And, um, yeah, man, other than that, uh, I've just been fighting this cold, dude. And it's uh, I've been about five or six days into Oof. this. And finally, finally, for once, I'm, I'm actually able to breathe out of my nose, which is great. That's good. Yeah, man, last time we spoke, I, you were uh, starting to get a little stuffed up. And uh, yeah, it's set in. I remember it's over there. That's good, man. Well, um, you know, dude, I will eat this. This this will interest you because I've been playing. um, Well, I've had some uh, insomnia. And so what I've been doing while I'm laying in bed trying to sleep is uh, and I don't know if it helps or not, but I've uh, been looking up. Uh, old bands that I kind of vaguely remember, okay. but can't find like on Spotify oh, yeah. or on even on YouTube. Okay, and uh, yeah, because I was looking up. Uh, we'll start it off with uh, this great, great band from the late '90s and early 2000s out of Oklahoma City, Edmond in Oklahoma City, uh, Smarty Pants. Uh huh. And I had uh, been trying to find i had a cd that they put out years ago of course and uh it had it was a double disc man it had like almost everything that they had recorded it was awesome uh-huh. um and i could i just i don't know where it, it, it's gone i'm sure it's in one of some box somewhere yeah i didn't get rid of it i've been looking for that at one point in time i had um been approached on uh, Discogs, which is your if you're a music collector, that's a, a, a site where you can go and look at value of records and yeah. CDs and yeah. cassettes. But you can also find out a lot of information. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. Recordings, history stuff. and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a great music resource. But um, I was on that, and somebody sent me an email, and uh, this person was like, "Hey, I see that you have Smarty Pants listed on." Uh, your albums that you own, or, you know, you own the seven inch or whatever. Um, and uh, I used to be in the band. Oh. Uh, and he's like, if you want, I can send you some stuff. Um, and this is a couple years ago now. Okay. And it turns out this is the guy, his name's Chris Palmer. And he, uh, I know him. He's a good friend of a mutual friend from back when I worked at uh, CD Trader in Edmond, Oklahoma, yep. way long ago. Wow. Yeah, that's a name. Um, yeah, right. So, uh, but anyway, I have been looking for more because I wanted to find if I could find those other songs that I couldn't find. And I found them. And of course, that sparked me to think about some other bands. And um, I found one, dude, that I listened to today. And I had forgot about this band. And I forgot how good this band was. And I almost, uh, you know, I want to apologize to the band for forgetting about how good they are. And you may know of them, or you actually may know them, because they were a Milwaukee band, uh, and they were called Compound Red. Oh, of course, man. Yeah, yeah. Big time, big time uh, 
famed um, uh, band from Milwaukee, Compound Red. They they were really a, a, a band that helped you know kick it off for a lot of people. Man, um, mm-hmm. they were an, an indie band from back in the day. Man, yeah, yeah. that's uh, wow, that's great. That's great, man. There's a lot of those bands. Um, another band from the Milwaukee area during that same time frame would have been Alligator Gun. With, uh-huh. with that's uh, Scott Shane back from uh, the Promise Rings old band. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, there's so much. Uh, funny enough, I was I was I got on a little bit of a kick the other day. I was checking out the Bony Vare stuff because I'm a I'm a fan and. He's actually Justin um, from Bon Iver is in a band, was in a band called Volcano Choir. That was the guys from a band called Pele, which is that goes that's that's oh a, man yeah that's kind of that tortoise world like yeah you know um, like no singer kind of like mm. really avant garde wild almost jazz yeah. in indie wild shit man great guys all those dudes i'm friends with all those guys yeah man great stuff though great musicianship um gosh man that brings up that brings up a lot of a lot of memories man there's such a such a deep connection there man you know yeah dude it's a yeah i mean this where i'm at i've been you know bouncing around all these these old bands and then that makes me think oh what was this other one and it reminds me of like a sticker i saw of a band that was a really cool sticker and i now you know trying to find it and now i can't find anything on them but i know that it existed yeah Um, i you know um, i used to speaking of milwaukee i i used to i played in a band and we we all rehearsed at the same spot and it was an old it was an old like middle school and it was us and we shared the same room with pele the guys from pele and then uh down the hall there was hey mercedes which was braid that was the yep. post braid band which people may know a uh, great band out of champaign illinois that turned yep. into hey mercedes and then the Promise Ring uh, were right down the hall from us, also. And another band called Camden. I don't know if you ever yep. remember uh, those guys, but um, mm-hmm. great, just great art, man, and great music. And uh, yeah, that late '90s, early 2000s Milwaukee scene was just yeah, pretty great, unbelievable. Did a lot of great scenes around that time. There was that. There's Chapel Hill was a great scene going yep. on around then, even and even earlier into the '90s. Yep. Um, you know, as far as like yep. outside of New York, you know, Bethlehem, or outside of yep. LA, and yep. outside of Seattle, yep. you know, Bethlehem. Yeah, there was yep. you know, and Jacksonville, yep. Florida had a bunch yep. of bands out there. Tampa, uh, outside yep. of Tampa, a lot of great bands. Hank Shaw. Uh, mm-hmm. He had uh, Discount, which wasn't from Tampa, but they were f- closer to Vero Beach, I believe. But um, mm-hmm. a lot of great bands, man. And, I, you know, we were lucky enough to grow up in a time period when that stuff was happening. And, and yeah. we, we would go to shows and we we sort of just networked and became friends with a lot of these guys, you know. And yep. l- we're lucky enough to, like, you know, had that in our in our history. You know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just, absolute that doesn't exist much anymore. No, no. I mean, you can. 
I'm sure it still does to some degree, but it's not to the same thing where you know you can you, now you look online, you know, right for, for music or for artists, you know, you don't go and you don't often go to shows and get exposed to something new. Yeah, trade mixtapes, yeah, you know, to get exposed to something new. Um, you know, go to record store used seven inches and or you see uh cds and yep. records to find something that catches your eye and yeah so yeah oh the good old days yeah and, man uh, no absolutely hey, yeah and uh coincidentally uh our guest today uh who john sales warrior uh he is also he's a big music fan and, and he's, he's we talked to him about some music and and stuff but he also is a uh, podcaster who has a, uh, a a podcast about the old days, about the '80s, growing up in the '80s and and '80s times and memories, and that's such a great great time period. Yeah, uh, to, you know, to be a, a, a kid and to be a teenager, um, and you know, and he's also a great storyteller and has some really cool stories to share. And uh, we we had a lot of fun talking to John, and so we hope that you enjoy these stories. And uh, we hopefully we we'll talk to John again because we know he's got he's got all sorts of stuff. So absolutely, John, thank you for joining us. What's your weird story? So uh, so my wife had the interesting idea. We were going to Sedona last summer, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like, "Well, I'm going to get us a hotel." right outside of Sedona in a town called Jerome, Arizona. Have you guys ever heard of Jerome, Arizona before? Yes, because of the singer from Tool, Maynard Keenan, who owns a winery out there. Oh. Isn't that weird? That's a very small, weird uh, coincidence. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you know all of that is yeah. kind of <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so Jerome, Arizona is famous. <laughs> And, and the reason it's famous is because there was a period of time, and I'd have to look it up, but there was a period of time where it had 15,000 residents, and it's a small little town. Okay. Mm. And uh, so what that mean? Well, that meant when you have 15,000 residents and they're all in copper mining, mm. that means that you have a high rate of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you, you also had a uncomfortable or comfortable amount of, uh, you know, bordellos. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. So, 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 so lots of illegal sex going on, uh, mm-hmm. going on. Um, the, the individuals that own, uh, companies that do mining, um, the way they look at it is anybody can be down in that mine. We just need a human body down there. Sure. So, yeah. You know, with an axe, getting copper out of the mine. So if somebody dies in the mine um, and they're poor, uh, it's very likely that they don't get a normal grave. Sometimes they would just bury them down in the mine itself, wow. so they wouldn't mm-hmm. have a funeral, wouldn't get a grave. So, so it's considered based upon the fact that there were uh, fifteen thousand residents. So that was a lot of residents back in the day. Sure, there's no real water source there. Um, considered to be the wickedest town of the West. Mm. And uh, and two, it was ridden with syphilis because of the bordellos. Right, yeah. 
So a lot of people either died in the mine or they died of syphilis. So I got to be upfront when I tell this weird story. I don't believe in ghosts. I think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I just don't believe in it for a lot of reasons. Okay. Until I was in Jerome. Oh. Um, and then two, I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a joke, too. I thought that was the stupidest thing that I ever bought at Blockbuster in my entire <laughs> life. Uh, I don't know if that's a weird story or not, but <laughs> the whole I did. time I was watching that, the only solace was that I was drinking a beer, but that was possibly the stupidest movie I'd ever seen in my entire life. But I digress. But getting back to Jerome, so I just didn't believe in ghosts. My wife's a big ghost fan. And uh, so she's like, oh, well, let's go. It, it was like at midnight. She's like at midnight. So we were at the we were at a bar there called the Haunted Hamburger in Jerome, Arizona. <laughs> and at midnight, we met up with these interesting individuals that took us on a ghost, uh, a ghost tour of Jerome, Arizona. They gave us a uh, a frequency sensor. Mm-hmm. And a um, and a communication box. Okay. Okay. And uh, and that's when it really starts getting freaky. So um, so we walked down the area, and we were literally walking across Jerome about two blocks, and we were literally about to walk the same exact uh, trek that they did when the miners walked. So the miners every day, they walked down to the mine and down into the mine. Mm. And we were literally taking those same steps. Um, considered the steps that we were at in the area of Jerome we were at was considered to be one of the most haunted areas of Jerome. And we were literally just outside. And again, I don't believe in ghosts. I, I, I was looking like up high to see if, you know, anything was going to happen with our equipment. I thought, you know, the, the dude that checked us in that charged us $40 for this deal is probably somewhere high up in a tree, you know, getting ready to do stuff with our equipment to yeah. make us think that right. they're yeah. yeah. Couldn't find it. Um, and then the weird stuff started happening. So like kids were with us, not my kids, but kids of other parents and younger people were on this deal. And uh, they started talking into the communicator and trying to like summon the ghosts and my wife being one of them. And I'm thinking, man, this is ridiculous. But, but I was given the frequency monitor, which let you know if you were getting close to an entity or not. Okay. And the way you would know is it would go green. So okay. it was red, 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 green, 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 green. And it had bars. So there's different levels of frequency. And by God, I witnessed zero frequency and then I witnessed like five bars. Wow. And I was like, again, I was kind of a doubting Thomas. Until we turned on the uh, the communication box. And so I was starting to, you know, start to believe a little with the, you know, the frequency. Uh, what is the, the uh, what's the communication yeah. box do? Is it is it one of those that flips through like uh, radio signals and picks up words? Or how does that work? That's exactly what it does. So you turn it on. And it's on a frequency. Apparently, it's a frequency ghosts can use. And uh, <laughs> and I'm sitting there talking into it. And uh, and I, I think the first question I asked was, uh, you know, you know, whoever you are, are you a miner or were you a miner? 
because you know, and uh, and you hear like really garbled yes, like, and uh, you're like what? And uh, I mean, you had to be there, like your heart's beating a mile. I mean, mm-hmm. this is midnight, right? Yeah. Um, then the uh, the next thing we asked was. Uh, and I don't know why I asked this, but my, my wife's into horses. So I was kind of asking the uh, the ghost uh, yes, no questions. And so the next question was, you know, do you like horses? And the, uh, and the answer was yes. Um, so I didn't really make it difficult on the ghost, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but, man, it was strange. And we were definitely going to areas where there was no – it was all red frequency – and then we get to areas where it was green frequency. Like, for instance, after we left this place and we had actually communicated with the ghost, we went into probably walked about three more blocks. And we went into the town of Jerome. We went into an old building where this couple had lived. And uh, and one of the people had committed suicide. Wow. In the, uh, because, you know, it was a sad way to live. You're you might have had, you know, your best friend or best three friends die in the mine yesterday. Right. Um, you might get syphilis, so you might just off yourself just so you don't have to go through the uh, the horrible situation that goes on when you have a horrible disease like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got in there, and they had all the original furniture because that was a big thing on the ghost tours. All the original furniture was in the uh, was in this uh, like house that these people lived in, and one person had committed suicide. And uh, the person that was taking us in there was like, this person I think is on the couch right now. Mm. And I literally placed the, communi- the, uh, the frequency monitor on the couch, and it went all, it went from red, 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 all green. Wow. wow. And at some point, <laughs> the ghost went away, and uh, we had zero again. So, like, this stuff didn't last, but, man, it was just, like, an amazing situation. I wow. mean, it was just like, what? Yeah. Have you guys had experience with ghosts? No. No. Um, no, no ghosts, but um, have had weird things happen. Um, like, oh. uh, yeah, like, I don't know how you, what, what you, what context you'd put it in, but, like, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I've never had any experience with ghosts, but I I don't necessarily not believe that they exist, you know. You've had some experiences that could be ghosty. You don't really know. He doesn't know for sure. Um, like with your the neighbor who, you know. He- yeah, I've had weird shit happen. And uh, like my grandmother came to visit me, which is weird. And when she passed away. And then I had a neighbor that died. uh the same night he came over to introduce himself to me, died in his front yard. I was the last person to see him. So I just have these weird things that have happened that, uh, yeah, strange, strange stuff. Yeah. Whereas I am, uh, notoriously ghost blind, uh, on the podcast. I haven't seen any ghosts. I lived in an apartment that was apparently very haunted as well as the rest of the house that this was, this apartment was part of, um, yeah. because yeah, because like we've had to, and two of the girls that lived at the house, one that lived in the same apartment that I did before. We reason she left, she moved out was because it was so haunted, and then another girl who had lived there and had even more activity and stuff, but she was more familiar familiar with 
these kind of things because she would always she, she could see ghosts and has ever since she was a little girl uh, whereas I nothing just, <laughs> just absolutely nothing so I'm trying to think as you guys tell me about you know what weird things have happened to you I'm trying to come up with some uh, some well, good weird things yeah. that have happened to me I mean one of the strangest things I think ever happened to me and uh this was uh, this was soon before my dad died. My dad died at a pretty young age. He was only 55 years old. I was in my late 20s, and uh, I was already married. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to go for a walk with him. And uh, and it wasn't a short walk, mm-hmm. like it was like three blocks. And uh, and now we're going to go around. Uh, this football stadium three times and then walk back, you know, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a long walk. Yeah. And, uh, man, everything in me wanted not to go. Like I did not want to go, but my wife encouraged me. She's like, Oh, John, just go. And I did. And thank God I went. It was literally the last time I ever walked with him. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he didn't die that weekend that I was with him, but he died shortly afterwards. He was in Missouri. I was in Texas. And uh, it wasn't long before he had passed away. Another strange thing happened. When my brother died, um, he wanted me to come home for his birthday. And I had, like, no vacation time. And he was turning 30. Mm. And uh, and he died, like, six months later or three months later or whatever. And, and you guys know, like, from Dallas to Missouri – is like a 10-hour trek. Yeah. I literally got in my car, drove, I think Saturday morning, got there Saturday evening, went to a movie with everybody, and then got in my car like you know, noon or 10 o'clock that Sunday morning and drove back. Again, I had no time off. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so I drove 20 hours. Wow. In about like, you know, maybe a 48 hour time period. They couldn't believe I did it. Like <laughs> neither of my parents could believe that I did it. I actually couldn't believe I did it either, but there was something in me that said, go, you know, go, right. go, yeah. uh, go celebrate your brother's birthday. That's interesting, man. Yeah. He felt compelled to do that for some reason. Yeah. There, yeah. There, that, yeah. I've had things like that happen to me too, you know, and it's like, you just can't really explain why, circumstances around these things or whatever but yeah i uh definitely it i've had it happen to me enough times to where it's like i take note of it you know and it becomes something that i remember you know oh yeah i mean if you've ever had like a close call on the highway or, or anything like oh. that you saw your your life flashed before your eyes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I had that happen to me. I don't know if I've ever told that story. Where I was in a snowstorm. It was a blizzard, basically, and oh. I I got onto the highway. I can't even remember why, but I had to go do something. I, and I was living at the time in Pennsylvania, and, and from Pennsylvania to where where I lived in Pennsylvania to New Jersey was just it's just right over the border. So like you know a five minute ten minute drive. I get on the major interstate and I am dry. I'm at the time I had this really small Toyota truck and I'm driving down the interstate going way too fast, probably 60 to 65, 
in really in blizzard conditions and the truck in front of me, it all happened slowly. Truck in front of me starts to slide a, a semi. He starts, mm-hmm. he starts to jackknife in front of me. And then I look in the rear view mirror and there's a semi behind me. He's starting to slide and jackknife and I'm, I'm sandwiched in the middle of them. Oh, and, and my life absolutely flashed before my eyes and I, I thought I was going to die. I thought this is it. And um, all I can say is like, it was like a movie. It was like all the things I wanted to do that I didn't get a chance to do or people that I wanted to speak to. It was very strange, man. Mm-hmm. Ended up, for, I, God was on my side that day because the, the truck in front of me ended up, he went off off to the right-hand side of the road. He slid off of the road. Somehow mm-hmm. I was able to kind of finagle my vehicle to where I kind of, I, I was going to where he was going, but not so deep off the shoulder and the semi behind me slid to the left of me and he hit the median. And I, I, I somehow I, I got out of that and I told myself I'm, I'm going straight home and I'm never mm-hmm. driving in that kind of a situation again. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can help it. Right. Oh yeah, man. Or you see people that, you see these videos of people dying, like they're just driving and then it's over, you know, guy comes mm-hmm. across, like coming from the opposite direction, loses control. I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time, man. Well, I, dude, it happened. Um, it happened to me today. Um, I was driving down a road. I was at a four way stop and I, uh, had, I was the only person at the stop. So I stopped. And then I started driving, and then I look over to my uh, my my left, and there's a woman, uh, an older woman in an SUV, and she's coming, and she is not stopping mm. at the stop sign, and so like I gun it enough to like get out of her immediate way, but also I stop to look back at her like what the fuck, you know, <laughs> and uh, I mean she slammed on her brakes, but she did yeah. not look at me. For one, and I just sat there and just looked at her like... How fast was she you know, going? Oh, dude, she was going... I mean, she was probably going like 45. That's fast. I mean, she would have like... Wow. She, she would have hit the back side, of the driver's side of my car. You yeah. Because I would have, you know... Oh. I mean, I, I was already in motion. Um, but um she I guess she it clicked to her, but she still rolled through the stop sign and was you know then applied the brakes and so yeah i just oh man that shook me up like, yeah yeah quite a bit <laughs> yeah I mean, wow i bet i mean that's how sam kennison died i mean i don't want to scare you guys but he was in an intersection just a normal uh, a normal intersection on his way uh, i believe either to las vegas or back from las vegas to la yeah. And he was at like a four-way stop, and as he proceeded, the car uh, coming the other direction wasn't yielding and just killed him. Oh, wow. On well, impact. I think it just killed him on impact. He was a genius. I just watched a TikTok last night of him doing the the bit where he bring, he calls a guy out in the audience and the, uh-huh. and the guy, he, he, I don't know, he asked for, I guess he asked for a, a crazy story that he could call someone, right? So the guy tells a story about his ex-girlfriend having sex with his brother 
while he's gone and he catches them in the act. And then she ends up like moving out. He, so he calls her from the stage. Sam Kennison calls her from the stage. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, no. oh, what ensues is absolutely beautiful and hilarious. <laughs> and I'm just thinking there's no way you could do that today. There's no way. The, yeah, pro- the, prof- the profanity. Yeah. <laughs> he was great, man. He was. He was, uh, man, he was great. Uh, let me see if I can think of a. So, uh, so here's a Sam Kennison story um, in Dallas, actually. So, uh, and it kind of goes along the lines of haunted. So, there's this, uh, there's this bar in downtown Dallas that's haunted. Uh-huh. And uh, th- when you talk to the bartenders, they even say it's called House of Herman. And, uh, and, uh, it's like this fraternity of uh, of people from from years ago, and uh, they have their own bar and they bring bands in. And Sam Kennison was performing there, and years ago, and the bartender was telling me all about it. And he was like, he's like, yeah, he was like, Sam was in the back of, you know, picture a, a big long extended Chevy uh, van, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with probably a queen size bed in the back of it. Uh, Sam was laid out um, horizontally um, on the uh, on the mattress, you know, with his bottle or whatever, and uh, ready to go on stage. Trench coat on, hat on, everything. When it was time to go on, they just opened up the back of the van and like, Sam, you're up, and grabbed him. <laughs> and he left the van, got up on stage, did a great show. Went back to the van and they took him home. Wow! <laughs> Didn't he have something happen where he was in a car wreck and that's when he became? After that, his like brain changed and like he that's when he became a comedian. Like his brother tells a story because he was a minister and yeah. he tells a story where he was in a, a bad car wreck and he he had head trauma and it changed his personality and. Oh. That's when he became. That's when he went down the the whole road of becoming a comedian. Interesting. Yeah, man. I, I had not heard that. Yeah, I think it was in a book or something, um, or maybe a documentary that I watched. I don't remember, but. Oh wow! Yeah, he was wild, man. He was, and when you look back at his comedy, it's like, yeah, man. He, you could tell that preacher is inside him. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Cause oh yeah. His, his stage presence is all. Southern or non-denominational Pentecostal kind of, yeah. you know, stage right. presence is yeah. what he's got. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thank God for him and delivery. Cause, uh, some of these people have horrible delivery for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like in, in, uh, in, in up for organized religion, but, uh, but, but some of the, uh, religious people out there could learn from some of these stand up comedians. I mean, entertain yeah. us a little bit if you're going to talk. Yeah. To yeah, man. You got, yeah. You got, 400 of us in this room together right (laughs) yeah bring some bring some game right (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so i but i have a i have a question um if we talk about your jerome trip um did you was so it was a i guess it was a group that you paid to go out and do this this uh, investigation thing right Yes. Have yes. you have you ever done anything? Did, did, has your wife ever done anything like that before you guys did that? 
she might have. I've never done anything like that. I, again, I mean, like if if we're at the house and they're all watching Ghost Adventures or whatever, yeah, I'm going in another room and watching something completely different. Mm, like, sure. Like I, I just think it's a bunch of BS. Yeah. Um, you know, but she might have. I mean, I can tell you that one of my sons, we were in. Uh, Southern Texas, like uh, Houston area, mm-hmm. in South Texas, and uh, we went on this. Uh, I think we actually we were further down. We were in Corpus Christi, and uh, we were on a uh, an abandoned aircraft carrier from mm-hmm. I believe World War II. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but uh, but we we uh, we spent the night on this aircraft carrier. You could pay money and spend the night on the aircraft carrier. Hmm. But uh, but a lot of people died on that aircraft carrier. You know, a lot of people don't know, but like aircraft carriers are like one of the most dangerous places in the Navy. Yeah, because because you're literally a sitting duck in the middle of the ocean. Sure, you have all these planes here and everything, and uh, and you're a target. Like you know, it's like playing Battleship. They want to take out your battleship. They yeah. want to take out aircraft carrier sure it's a big win if the enemy can take you out so for that reason a lot of people died on it and uh and my son when he when we were in the uh the engine room uh he was being disrespectful to military and uh you know i don't know how he was being disrespectful he was a bit younger then yeah Uh, but uh, but he said an entity pushed him down two two stairs. Oh wow! Oh, wow! Yeah. Damn. Again, I got nothing but what he said to me about it. But uh, but after having the experience in Jerome, yeah, I can't believe that. Like you know, some of these spirits are kind of trapped in the Netherlands, like they're in between two different existences. Yeah. 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 It seems like. That, yeah, one of the things that we uh, tend to find is that the places that have had a lot of uh, tragedy and a lot of, you know, really intense emotion, uh, like, you know, you would have at a, 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 a copper mine or on a, uh, a battlefield or a, a warship like, like that. Same hospital. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Where there's, you know, and, and there's that, that, uh, that, I guess, energy or something, whatever it is. It stays there. It's a kind of like it's a residual of uh, the lives that were lost, or something. We're not, you know, I mean, we're not experts. Um, no, nobody knows. I mean, uh, this, this, this is probably not good to say, but so, um, so there's this, uh, there's this guy in music. His name is uh, King Diamond. Oh, are you familiar? Of oh, yeah. course, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm a big metal He's, guy. Oh, me too. So is yeah. he Swedish? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I so think, yeah. And it's one of the few rock guys that will admit to being a Satanist. Right. And and what I found interesting upon seeing him interviewed is that um, it's not like he really believes in anything. It's just that, you know, I don't know. it. It just like the way he, you know, he, he said like I can't prove, like you can't prove your God, and I can't, and and I can't yeah. prove my God. Right. Right. So there's no reason for us to be at odds with each other because there's no reason, there's no way to prove the existence of either. Yeah. yeah. I, I just yeah. found it very 
intriguing from an analytical, logical point of view. Yeah, yeah. The Satanism is a is a is a lo- is a very loose religion when it comes to because there's so many different like aspects of, or yeah. ways that you can like uh, what I think for the most part Satanists are about or for the most part are are just embracing life as far as doing it on your own terms. And uh, what's funny though, you bring that up about King diamond. Yeah. You know, Michael sweet from the band striper. He's the singer from the band striper. Who's the Christian Mm -hmm. metal band. Yeah. 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 He He just went and saw King diamond play. I think he was in Dallas. I think he played in Dallas recently. But he went oh. to the, he yeah he went to the show and like hung out with him backstage and like it's funny because there's these photo ops of the two together and like <laughs> they're friends you know and it's just That's like wild, it's so great because it's when I grew up Striper was the acceptable band to listen to if you were into heavier music because they were a Christian band and we grew mm-hmm. up in the church so that was a thing yeah. and to see them together King Diamond being the epitome of like satan and and those evil you know especially in the 80s that was you know the whole satanic panic thing but to see them yeah. together was absolutely just phenomenal it was i thought it was great it's like you know, uh, it's that's like Jesus and the devil hanging out at McDonald's or yeah. something right. <laughs> he lives in Dallas King Diamond oh really no, really yeah Okay, because a good friend of mine who passed away a few years ago, um, he was a a drummer in a lot of bands in the Dallas area, Uh and he was friends with King Diamond. I didn't realize that King Diamond actually lived in Dallas. Yeah, yep. Figured he lived in Europe somewhere once I found I think this was like, mm, I think he moved there, I'm going to say maybe 10 years ago or so, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. weird, it was one of those weird things where I was like, he lives in Dallas? What the fuck? You know? Maybe, uh-huh. maybe his wife is from Dallas or something? I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Well, you know, uh, Rob Halford, because we're talking uh, heavy metal, yeah. you can't talk more heavy metal than Rob Halford. Yep. So so I just got done reading his biography this summer. Nice. And, uh, man, uh, I was kind of taken aback with the knowledge base that I walked away with, particularly, like, I always thought, that Judas Priest was like an evil band. Uh-huh. And, and, it, and it, it's like, it kind of felt like, based upon my upbringing, I always felt bad to like, like it so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, yep. I'd be like Green Man Alishi or whatever. Yeah, man. I just, Judas Priest music, and then come to find out he's a Christian guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Tom Mariah from Slayer, he's a Christian. Yeah. It's, it's funny yeah. because. You know, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper is big time. Yep. I mean, yeah. Well, you grow up with these ideas. Like Adam and I were actually talking about this the other day. It's like you grow up. I was when I grew up anyway in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere back in the the eighties when I started to get really into my own music. You know, before then it was my dad's music, but mm-hmm. my own music. I was drawn toward stuff that was really aggressive because it was just the polar opposite of what I grew up uh, with, you know? So it was yeah. like a lot of the heavier stuff that I was drawn to. I I loved the musicality of it, but then 
you know, lyrically, like people wanted to draw like all this, you know, symbolism toward, you know, Satanism and all that kind of stuff. But really, when you read a lot of the lyrics from those bands from back then, man, it's very political. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you'd have, oh. obviously, you'd have satanic sort of. But for the most part, it was for entertainment purposes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was all theater. Exactly. And um, yeah. Especially like Iron Maiden 666. Yes. Exactly. Iron Maiden is a phenomenal band, even to this day. Oh my God, yes. Like, but like, yeah, no, they're absolutely, I mean, like, they're also, they're well read because, you know, they they run for the hills, uh, you know, which is the song about, you know, the Native Americans and the white man invading, you know, and, and, and like so many other things that, but yeah, it's a lot of theirs is like very much theater yeah you know oh, and like yeah. other bands like, like man war you remember so man war they dress like they dress like he-man yeah. you know <laughs> those guys are hilarious i never you know they weren't on mtv or anything when i was a kid um i i learned about them like after the fact so wasn't super familiar with who they were other than like i'm kind of a rock and roll historian and so it's just kind of part of my knowledge base of knowing that there was a band called Man of War. And yeah. I can picture those crazy costumes. Oh, they have, there's a great documentary on them. And they are, they like, it's a total spinal tap movie without trying to be, you know what I mean? It's like, just, it's who they were. And so, like, there's a part in it where, the drummer was leaving, and so they asked a, a new drummer to come join the band. And part of the ritual was that he had to burn his drum set from the previous band that he was in to show his loyalty to Man of War. And it, they were totally serious about it. It's so good, man. It's it's worth a watch. Wow. I can't remember the name of it, but it is fantastic. And I, I always said, like, like if you want to, like, because I, you know, of course, growing up in the Bible Belt, um, people yeah. would be like, "Oh, Marilyn Manson and all this stuff, it's satanic." And and uh, I, my my, I was always like, "Look, if you want to find the real deal, Satanism, dudes, like you, they are they aren't anywhere near the radio, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, okay, and they are for real, like you know." sacrificing each other and stuff, you know, yeah. burning churches down, shit like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, the, Nor- the Norwegian black metal stuff is yeah, like dude. crazy. These guys are nuts. Um, but that's real. I mean, or as real as, as it can be, I suppose. But um, it's yeah. just, you know, I think that for the most part, if you're in the public eye, like, uh, you know, like they say that um, there's no, there's no bad publicity. So a lot of those bands made their publicity, you know, stunts, you know, dark with a, with a dark tinge, you know, I guess that sold, especially back in the day when you'd buy a record based off of the, the way the cover looked. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I kind of got a theory on this and it kind of started back in the black Sabbath days. Yeah. So, so if you think about black Sabbath, right. Um, back when they came out, it was like the early seventies, late sixties yep. and, uh, to be and have a good album, you tended to be a good looking person too. Right. Like it went hand in hand. You needed to look good on the album yeah. cover. Yep. Cause that's how people chose. And, yeah. uh, and let's face it, 
Ozzy's a great guy, but he's never going to look great on the album cover. Right. He's going to look like Ozzy, you know, especially a young Ozzy, yeah. better than an old Ozzy. But he's never yeah. going to be a heartthrob, right? Yeah. You, you aren't going to have girls like pinning up Ozzy yeah. and going, "Oh my God, Ozzy's amazing! Oh yeah. my God, yes, I want to date Ozzy." But yep. you know, they'll do that with like a Donny Osmond yep. or John Bon Jovi yep. or yep. you know. You know, even the guy from ACDC back in the day, Bon Scott, yeah. you, know, he, you know, but they're not going to do it uh, based upon an Ozzy. So, so I think early on, they chose the genre of their music and what it was going to be based upon the fact that, hey, it's not going to be doable for us to make love songs. Yeah, it's not going to be doable for us to do bubble gum. We're yeah. going to have to yeah, do yeah. something because let's face it, guys, you know. <laughs> Outside of Tony Iommi, um, we're not getting dates, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Well, man. the lead singer always gets dates. I mean, that's no, no, no. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but the, the lead but, singer, no matter how bad the the band, the you know, you may have a great looking band, but the lead singer is always going to be he's he's up there, and he's always going to be getting dates just because well, he's the lead singer. So I hear you. In in it continues on with like later on Metallica. Yeah, you know. James Hetfield, not the best looking guy, yep. not considered a heartthrob guy. Yep. Uh, and then to, uh, oh, uh, uh, the guy that came off of, uh, of, uh, Megadeth. Yeah. Dave, oh, Dave, Dave Mustaine, Mustaine. Yeah. Dave Mustaine, super smart guy. Yep. Not a super good looking guy. Yep. You know, yep. I and, call and, it how I see it. And those, those bands that you're speaking of don't necessarily have a large female, uh, you know, crowd i mean there are women that certainly like those bands but yeah. in the oh, yeah, 19 yeah. in the 1980s you had to be a pretty rough uh person to to uh really give those bands a time of day because you go see them play man it was it was back in the day those shows were out of control and i mean yeah ag- oh, ag- aggressive and yeah What's amazing about those bands was that they were selling out stadiums before they ever hit the radio, which is amazing. Yo, big time, I yeah. Mean, in 1986, Metallica was selling out like like stadiums, legit stadiums. So they did it all without radio play, which is amazing. But yeah, they never had that. I mean, until they got mm-hmm. sort of popular in the 90s. But even then, like... You know, they didn't have that sexy, you know, sort of front guy. You know, I guess I guess Lars was maybe their sexiest guy. I don't know, but they didn't. <laughs> no, you know. I don't know. It's just an opinion that I had. I was like, you know, I feel like it just kind of lent itself. Yeah. They're, they're going to appeal to the Dungeons and Dragons crowd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was a brand new crowd, too. Yeah. Yep. Like the idea of, you know, kind of started back in the days of the hoop. Right. So the Who developed a demographic called the mods, yep. which were which were kids that wore jeans, a leather jacket, and they drove mopeds. Yep. And they called themselves mods. And the Who basically targeted yep. mods. Yep. And uh, as as their as the base of their listenership, and uh, and I think Metallica carved out a portion of you know young men in the United States that were the base of their listenership. KISS did the same thing. At some point, they crossed over to the females. Right. Um, Alice Cooper, I think, did the same thing. Mm -hmm. At some point, his band crossed over to females. But for the most part, the the bulk of those album sales would have been 
males. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, to put to put into perspective for myself, I took my wife to go see the Backstreet Boys uh, <laughs> here yeah. last year. And I, I've never gone to a show like that. Uh, my whole life has been metal and punk and independent music. And so to go to a show like that, where I'm telling you 98% of the, of the, of the crowd is women was like staggering to me. I just could not, like, I knew that that existed like on, you know, you you would see it on TV and, but like, I I was blown away. I was like, God, I can't believe that all like the amount of women that are here that actually, they absolutely are ape shit over it too. Like <laughs> as rabid of a fan as I am of, of those heavy bands, like they are rabid about the Backstreet Boys. You know what I mean? So oh sure yeah yeah. yeah. Well, go look at old videos of the Beatles where yeah you can't hear the Beatles. You can just hear teenage girls screaming. Yes, you know. Yep. So yeah, that's for, true for sure. Yeah. So John, yeah. you have. You do you 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 uh you you do podcast as a guest, but you also have your own and you're an author. Mm-hmm. Um tell us some about that. Okay. Well, so my podcast is called Schools Out Eighties Comedy Storytime. And uh man, I think you guys would be amazing on my podcast. I'd love to do it, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh so my podcast just really meant to be funny. Um, I've had all kinds of guests over the last two years on my podcast. Uh, one of my best guests was a friend of mine that plays drums in a band here in Dallas. For it's an ACDC tribute band. Nice. And he had so many funny stories from the oh, 80s. Uh, he actually used to hang out with Pantera, Dimebag, wow. and Vinnie Paul back in the day. He'd go over to their house, do shots of whiskey with them. Wow. Uh, used to do a, a drink called the Black Tooth Grin, which was basically Coke and Jack Daniels. And, uh, you know, it's just wild to have. And, and it was funny, too. Like, he was a funny guy. And I've, I had a professional comedian on my show who uh, he was a professional comedian out of New York City and used to write jokes for uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh. It's, Saturday Night Live. That's so cool, that man. Was, I mean, when you think about weird stuff happening, yeah. I just went out to the ether and I said, who wants to be on a comedy podcast uh, in this uh, internet group that I belong to? And this gal who's in Europe said, hey, you should have my friend Jeffrey on it. Uh, he's funny. Turns out, not only is the guy funny, he's a professional comedian in Manhattan. Wow. And he's a retired dentist. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. Wilder. That's I mean, great. he's been on famous talk shows and stuff. But anyway, so he was on. And uh, right now, I'm trying to get John Karabi on. Oh, damn. And, uh, so I haven't, like, you know, yeah. completely done that yet. But uh, From Motley John- Crue, and he's got a pretty successful solo career as well, right? He just seems like it. I've been reading his biography. I'm about ready to wrap it. And he just seems like a real human being. Yeah. You know, a lot of the rock stars out there have just, they're just out there. Yeah. Like they don't speak to you anymore like a normal person because they've just done too much for too long. And uh, they just have, they, they're not part of normality of the United States. Yeah. 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 Barry and I've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. uh, 
people who get can sometimes people get famous or whatever and they start getting to where other people treat them in a different way because they're stars or whatever uh, because they, they're in a band or something like that and they're getting on TV or in the radio or whatever how how many times that that starts to alter uh, people's perception and how they don't live in the real world because that's not how you know everybody acts with each other uh, on a regular basis yep. you know they don't get you know just like oh you're you're you, you know just you're, you're, i love what you do you're you're just you're the most amazing plumber ever and you know and ah oh, man I you saw changed how, my life that, that toilet flushes down on 13th <laughs> street man oh my god dude yeah. yeah you don't get that so yeah that's how i feel about my plumber i wanted to give him a bigger hug than my <laughs> wife one night, man <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great that's, um, that's so awesome. One of my other guests that I had on, his name's uh, Mick Michaels, and uh, he and his band have like 10 uh, national albums out. And uh, Mick is a uh, famous guitar player for a metal band called Corners of Sanctuary. Okay. I haven't heard them. So that sounds familiar, though. Yeah. So, so this is an interesting story. So this guy was going to have me on his podcast. And uh, so I wanted to research him, and then he like, oh, man, I can't do it. I'm sick tonight or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And uh, and so I went out. I always do. I always research people's uh, people's shows just so I get a feel for, like, you know, what the dynamic's going to sure. be. yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm researching his show, and I'm not going to call him out by name, but I thought he had, like, one of the worst shows and deliveries <laughs> that I've ever seen in my entire life, and I couldn't believe he felt that he needed spend any time at all doing a podcast you know that, that'd be my professional opinion after being in <laughs> 32 years yeah but anyway, i digress so uh, so anyway i'm um but he interviews this guy and it's guy and this guy's name's mick michaels and he's a uh, and he's a famous guitar player and so uh, so i went out and got on spotify started listening to his music loved his music or whatever because uh, when i ask people to be on my podcast yeah, I research them a little bit. I just don't arbitrarily yeah. go, "Hey, you want to be on my podcast? I hear your sessions." So, so I, re- I told him. I mean, I'm, I'm like, "Hey, I'm a huge metal fan. I listen to your stuff. I think it's really good." Uh, I'm wondering, would you be interested in being on my comedy podcast? I can send you a link so you can listen to a couple of my shows and see if you think it'd be a fit. Yeah. And uh, so he listened to a couple of my shows. He liked it, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd like to be on." Nice. And, uh, it was wild, man. It turned out he and I had so much in common. That's He's cool. a Pennsylvania guy. Okay, nice. That's so I didn't have that in common with him, but he uh, is Italian guy, and uh, and he went to Catholic grade school, so we had that in common. Nice, nice. That's awesome, man. So yeah, it was really cool, man. I was, uh, but anyway, you're asking, but but that's what it is, man. It's just my uh, my my gift to the universe is my international comedy podcast. I I have a ton of funny stories because I lived a pretty darn good life before nice. I got married. Nice, well, nice. Hey, we're gonna have to have you back on for sure, definitely to hear some more of those. So yeah, I got some really good good stories. Hopefully, they keep coming. Uh, but my book, so my book, I've been in professional sales for 32 years. Okay. okay. And um, I just decided, you know, 
I don't think there's like good information out there on how to be a good salesperson, mm-hmm. like yeah. real honest information on how to be a good salesperson. And then more importantly, like how to inspire people to be a good salesperson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody like, okay, this is how you overcome an objection. This is how you introduce yourself to a client. This is how you connect yourself with the client. You know, all on and on. Yeah. But so mine's a combination in my book. I, I try to inspire and teach. Nice. And, and when I teach, I teach with uh, this is like an example of how you do it, so to speak. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so that's kind of my gift to the universe. Um, I've been in sales professionally 32 years, just sold some stuff today. So uh, Nice. And I just kind of feel like, you know, I'm trying to take pressure off sales managers. A lot of sales managers are trying to, like, inspire their guys. Yep. But it's kind of hard to inspire them. You know, be like, well, 10 years ago when I was in sales, we did it this way. Yeah, sure. Anything like my teenagers, if I say, well, back in the 80s, kids, we did it this way. And then my my kids are like, well, it's not the 1980s anymore, Dad. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So, so I got to feel like the sales managers are kind of like, you know, maybe it's under the under the tongue, so to speak. But they're like, man, what do you know about sales? You haven't sold in five or ten years. Well, I sold stuff yesterday. So I feel like my information to the world is super relevant. And I'll be selling right. tomorrow, next week, the year after that. Really, until I retire, I'll be selling something to somebody. Sure. That's great. And sales is really about relationships, you know, building relationships. I mean, that's, if you can do that, you can be a, you can be a salesman, you know, I think so many people are caught up in the, you know, the, for lack of a better term, the car, the car salesman guy, you know, it takes, yeah. it takes a special breed to, to be that guy, but to be a good salesman, you know, my dad, you know, he's, a, you know, he's, that's his whole life. He's been uh, basically a salesman and uh, mm-hmm. oh, I wow. just, well, and he just, uh, the way I, what I learned from him is just be real. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and don't blow smoke up people's butts, you know, and uh, I think people respect that, you know. Absolutely. And be a person. Right. Like, that's one of the things I teach people is like, you know, like most people aren't interesting. You know, it might sound like a me egotistical. Like I, I, I kind of am, but um, <laughs> but let's face it. Like most people that you meet aren't interesting, and why aren't they interesting? Because they're not trying to be interesting. Right. They're not. You know, they're not putting anything into it. Yeah. And uh, but to be in sales for over thirty years, you better be interesting. Yeah. Because if your competition's more interesting than you are, yep. then they'll take the relationship away from you. Right. But but if your but if your if your customer and your client is uh, is involved with you, then they're not going to want to cheat on you. Yeah. And the only way to get that strong relationship is like you'd mentioned very, to connect. Yeah. And if you don't connect and relate, and you don't know how to build that, then you're not going to be successful long term. You can be a flash in the pan. You can right. get real busy. And but but long term consistently you're not going to be consistent yeah. long term sure because uh, so uh, but that's what my book is it's out on Amazon Great. so you go out to my website saleswarriorinspire.com okay uh, it just there's a little link out there that says my book click on my book it'll take you right there boom. Get this. We call it what's your weird story, right? But we don't limit it 
to weird stories. It's true. Sometimes we have crazy travel and epic adventure stories. Sometimes we do book reports and other special episodes. Sometimes we'll cover some weird news. Sometimes I'll see one of my oldest, dearest friends just dancing around and punching the air for five minutes before we sit down and record an episode. But hey, it's all good because it's fun to talk to people, to make new friends, to get in touch and reacquainted with old friends and hear amazing stories. Do you have, do you got one good, one more good story? Cause I know you do, but do you got one more good story for us before you leave? Well, tell, tell me what kind of story you guys want. No. Oh, well, you know, Hey, we're open. We're open to any kind of story. You know, we, cause we know even the boring people, even the un- uninteresting people, everybody's got at least one yeah, you gotta, story. Yeah, we know yeah. you've got it, yeah. but we know Uh-oh, you've got a I treasure trove. So. Ton of stories. Um, here's one that comes to mind, though. So it was 1984, and uh, actually a couple of stories associated with that. So, um, so we get the bright idea upon leaving our little hometown and going to a rest stop that it's okay as minors – to sit at a rest stop and drink beer. <laughs> I was like, kids, don't try this at home. Not a good idea. Back then, you know, people didn't have cell phones, but they're on their CB radios yeah. and saying, hey, there's some kids here. I think they're high school kids because we had Letterman's jackets on. That's kind right. of a, you know, yeah. Not, yeah, that's kind of a key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> college. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, they sent the cops over. The cop came, took all of our beer. Threw all our empties away, took all of our beer, put it in his trunk. I'm pretty sure he drank it that night. Of course. (laughs) That's another another one of those things of small town cops, especially back in those days, man. Yes. Took one of our friends away. And uh, so literally before the Van Halen concert, we had to post bond. Oh, man. So we took all our T-shirt money, posted bonds. And uh, and got our friend out so he could go to the Van Halen concert with us. We didn't get to see the opening band. We got out there when, uh, like, uh, David Lee Ross singing Unchained and running oh, around. Damn, man. So, so that night, um, first concert, really a big concert I'd ever yeah. been to. And, uh, and it's in Kemper Arena in downtown Kansas City. And I come out of Kemper Arena, and I'm a country boy. And every part of the auditorium looks exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, I have no idea where my friends are. Um, that's the bad news. The good news is since I came out, uh, out of the wrong door, so to speak, and had to walk around the auditorium to see, find my friends. At some point I found them, of course, since I'm able to talk to you right now, <laughs> I didn't get stuck in Kansas city that night, but I'm sitting there and I see this white stretch limo, go by me and out of this white stretch limo a guy is like going crazy raising his hand he's got on like a uh, a silver sparkly uh, glove on yeah. and he's got long blonde hair i literally saw david lee roth in his white stretch limo diamond dave man diamond dave yeah yeah and he, and he couldn't get and he couldn't get along that was when van halen broke up like a few months later wow. yeah couldn't get along with the rest of the band, so they refused to ride with them in a bus or ride with them to the <laughs> to the venue. And so they so, so he got he a limo, limo, and they were in a black stretch limo. That's I didn't get to see 
of Van Halen, but I wow. saw Diamond Dave, man. Dude. Out even to lucky, everybody. lucky you, man. You saw them That's at the right time. Prime. Yeah. Prime. And it was wild. They were good that night. That's awesome. Uh, and bad that night. Like, if you ever hear anybody talk about Van Halen, yeah. uh, Ted Templeton's a genius because he made David Lee Ross sound amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and frankly, I know a little bit about music. David Lee Roth doesn't have a large, long range of vocal ability. Yeah. I love sings, but but what's captured on those records is magic. Yeah. And the reason is because Ted Templeton, who produced them. Yeah, man, for sure. And you could tell in Dave's later years, man, he was struggling hard. Yeah. Oh, my God, you yes. Know, unfortunately, because the, he's such a great performer, man. I mean, oh, God, Jump, amazing. when we were kids, Jump, that, that song came out, and they had a video on MTV, and it just absolutely, that was one of those songs, kind of like Michael Jackson stuff, that real everyone was tuned into that frequency, man. Everyone loved that song. And it was like him jumping off that drum riser and doing the kick was like, oh, it was everything you wanted a rock star to be, man. Absolutely, man. Yeah, David, David Lee Roth at 1984 era. Amazing. Definitely, that's, that's the, uh, you want an icon of rock star. Yeah. Bam, right there. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, read his book, Crazy from the Heat. Okay. I got to. I got another book out there, but like that came out shortly after he went solo. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And in it, he talks about rothing the stage. And, and what he means by that is every, and he might still do this to this day, but back then in the 80s, what he would do is he would take a towel and he would wipe down the stage that he was going to perform in. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because he humbled himself. He humbled himself on the stage by literally being the guy that cleaned the stage off. Ah. And, and that's how much respect he had for the. Well, performance. that's funny you say that. He So he's a traditional martial arts practitioner. He's he actually he's an Eido practitioner. And he moved to Japan to train. So Eido is the art of drawing the sword. So uh, mm-hmm. for those of you out there that, that that may or may not know, there's a whole martial art based around how you remove the sword from the scabbard. Samurai would, would, would train this so that you could be the most proficient you could be, right? So he mm-hmm. there's he – I can't remember how many years ago, but he moved to Japan to train and uh, – he lived there for a while because he became fluent in Japanese. Years. Yeah, he became fluent in Japanese. And then he moves back to the U.S. And I just watched this recently. A couple of years ago, he buys there. He has this house in California and like has dedicated like a lot of the house to a dojo. So he like trains mm-hmm. in there. And it's like, wow. I just I love that about him because that what you're talking about, you, you clean the dojo after every practice you know, floor to ceiling because you're paying respect. You know, that's how, and so that is amazing that he does that or that he was doing that then. Uh, that shows a lot about his character. I love that. It's f- freaking great. He probably, he probably does it to this day. I, I bet mean, he does. Yeah. Very smart guy. Yeah. Big time. And, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I always like to think of him as my crazy drunk uncle, even though we're not related. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For I sure. actually have a, 
friend of mine uh, a few years ago, my friend passed away. Unfortunately, I'm of that age where friends are passing. But uh, one of my friends, his mom and dad had a uh, a business where they would take people professionally scuba diving. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, and David Lee Roth was uh, was was part of the people that went on the professional scuba dive. Wow. With Friend. So, uh, so my friend that passed away a few years ago was actually friends with Diamond Dave and wow. knew him on a basis. Wow! And and told me because I, you know, I'm such a, you know, I'm a crazy Van Halen fan and Dave Lee Roth fan, and and I was like, man, can you at least just say hi to Dave for me or whatever? And he's like, he's like, John, you don't understand. I mean, it's not like that. Like, you know, we're, you know, it's just he's not into that. Like, yeah. You know, just it would be uncomfortable for me, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, take away from the special relationship that we built yeah. up the last ten years. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but uh, but it's not my brush with greatness. My biggest brush with greatness was uh, who did I meet? I've met a few famous people over the years, um, but like really meeting somebody uh, where you didn't like pay to meet them or whatever. Yeah. And it, I contrived. Uh, I met Dana Carvey, the church lady back in the day. Oh, Nevada. wow. Yeah, yeah. I met Dana Carvey. It was in downtown Dallas. Uh, they asked me, so I was working for an ad agency and I was buying radio time. So all the radio stations, since I was buying time, were trying to entice me to buy time with their radio station. Right. One of the radio stations calls me up and says, hey, we're going to have Joe Piscopo down at our radio station. Uh, would you like to come in and meet Joe Piscopo? Nothing against Joe, but they wanted me in there like at you know five thirty in the morning. I'm in my twenties. Oh. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then week two, they call me and said, "Hey, we're going to have Dana Carvey down here." And I'm like, "What time do you need me in?" <laughs> <laughs> How was he? You know, it was intriguing. Um, I'm six foot two. He's a very short guy. Okay, um, I'm guessing. Like he came to like a little bit above my gut, so yeah. uh, he was very small compared to me. I'm guessing he's five nine. Okay, I'm not positive. Yeah, I could tell you though that like the way he acted when he was interviewed on the radio and the way he acted to us before he was interviewed on the radio is like two different guys. Yeah, right. Like. It was like two different people completely. The other thing I can tell you from being in close proximity to him is that those guys back in the day on Saturday Night Live used a ton of pancake makeup. Because when I was like face-to-face with him and I looked at him, um, he had so many wrinkles in his eyes. He looked like he'd been up till 3 a.m. the majority of his life. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he was older. Yeah, he was. Than a lot of the guys like that he was on there with, you know, because he he'd started younger or started before, and so like by the time when he was really hitting it on uh, SNL, he was probably in his like mid to late thirties easily, if not more. If he, yeah. you know, so. And, and when he was in there before he hit the interview, and he spent a little bit of time talking to us, but I'm going to say very little. Um, you know, he's just talking to his agent and uh, wondering about his golf game in Dallas. Right. When we get into the country club, what time's our tea time? Uh, wh- where are you getting my clubs at? 
do you got shoes for me? I mean, he was all into the golf. Sure. <laughs> Which I remember that really well, but that was a brush with greatness. That's oh, cool, man. Vinny Paul at a bar one night. I met Vinnie Paul from Pantera. Oh, one wow. And uh, that was the night I met Ace Fraley from Kiss. Wow. I paid to meet Ace Fraley, and I enjoyed meeting Vinnie Paul more than meeting Ace Fraley. Wow. I mean, Vinnie Paul just, like, shakes my hand, puts his arm around me like a brother or whatever, mm. and was willing to get a picture with me, but the guys in the bar wouldn't allow him to get a picture with me oh, because shit. they weren't making any money off of it. Damn. It was crap, and then two years later, Vinnie Paul dies. Right, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I used to work for I was, yeah I used to work for um, some bands and um, they uh, a few of the guys that I was you know used to work with they they knew them very well the you know the guys from Pantera's always said Dimebag was amazing and Vinnie Paul were just amazing people like from the get go just very yeah. very hospitable like. They were the guys on tour that they it would always be a party and and those two guys were all about just everybody having a good time and super humble and super nice guys man you know yeah. and and that's coming from and I've even heard stories from people that have met them like yourself and like yeah. young younger people younger kids that met them and and everyone has great things to say about them and that says a lot because I'll oh. tell you I'll tell you right now man like with Dana Carvey, like I I get it because yeah. you're always on. Yeah, people are expecting mm. you to always be on, and just to be like naturally kind to people and fans is not. It's not hard to do, but it can be difficult because you're you know you're constantly moving, and um, I'm always impressed by people that are able to be humble, you know, and be kind to people. I think so too. Yeah, I guess the uh, other one. So we paid to meet this guy, but we met the guy from Poison that plays drums for Poison, Ricky Rocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me of uh, of like a buddy of mine from high school. Nice. He was telling us jokes. Nice. He was complaining about the bar food, <laughs> the venue that he was at. He was like, I can't get a decent salad here. It looks like I'm happy to eat a damn cheeseburger. <laughs> was he playing with, with Poison? or? Well, he was playing with a, a, a band that he contrived with uh, Tracy Guns. Oh, man. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, the band was called Devil City Angels. I don't think they're around anymore. Okay. Uh, the lead singer is still out there. His name's Brandon Gibbs. Okay. And uh, Brandon actually went out a couple times with Poison without Brett Michaels. But uh, but just getting a chance to, like, when we were hanging out with uh, Ricky Rocket, um, and, and it's wild because, like, you know, I'm just not a Poison fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I get it why people like them, and, and I think they, like, have a you know huge amount of talent. Yeah. It's just not my thing. Sure. Like I'm Red Zeppelin, yeah. Van Halen, yeah. Who fan, yeah. Megadeth. Yeah. Like like it just doesn't hold up. The two are just yeah. you know completely but you know if I'm wanting to dance with the girl, I'm gonna say, hey poison is great. Exactly. They had yeah, they, yeah, they got yeah. that fem they got that big female capacity. You know what yeah, I mean? Over, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they don't have as much as like the kind of bands that I listen to. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and, and revere. For sure. So 
but I'm kind of a music snob. Me too, man. <laughs> Me too. Uh, you, get to, you get to a point where you like what you like, and that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, and if, you, and then that's it. You know, I mean, that's just, right. that's just right. enough. You know, maybe you'll find something. Maybe you you find new things that you're into, but generally, it's kind of like not you're not going to get into too many brand new genres you're probably going to be sticking with and i think most people really really stick with what they were into in their in their teenage years and then probably in their early 20s as well yeah and i think that's where you're there and that's where you find your you find your groove and um, that's the groove that you kind of ride out for the rest of your life uh, probably until you have kids and then you're forced to listen to like disney songs and all that so <laughs> <laughs> hey, you uh, of a story I can share with you guys. Yeah. So, uh, so back in the day, I mean, you guys grew up together, your best friends. So did you guys ever do beer bongs? Oh yeah. Yes. Funnel, funnel of beer. Okay. Yes. So, uh, so I'm with a buddy of mine one night and for whatever reason we kept like escalating, like we weren't happy with the beer bong that you could do one beer out of and kids don't try this at home. It's not a good idea. Um, and we kept on, okay, well, let's get one that'll hold two beers. Let's get one that'll hold three beers. Yeah. I think at the top end of the story, we were at one that would, like, hold four and a half beers. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> and, and I did one of those one time, and by God, I felt like a, a fishbowl. Oh, my, I don't doubt it. Jeez. Oh, my God. 48 ounces. That was at the height of me being young. I don't know that they filled it up. That I think it was three and a half beers that I actually did, but it okay. was a damn tough. <laughs> but, uh, but the funny part I, of it, so my buddy Tim had it, and I think he was doing two beers at a time, just going over the keg, filling it up about two beers. And, uh, and at some point during the night, as the night progressed, I saw him over there, and he did a beer bong, and he threw up in the beer bong. Oh. To do the beer bong, and, <laughs> and therein lies something that doesn't happen to us every day. Oh man, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's something strange. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, later. That's great. But, uh, that's great. I don't think anybody else noticed it but me. But uh, <laughs> and you uh, know, when you're bonging, to his credit, it wasn't like he was drinking. Uh, you know, it was regurgitated beer because yeah. he's doing so many beer bongs. Yeah. It was undigested beer because he was doing so many beer bongs. Yeah. Uh, it was very little, like, I doubt <laughs> there's any food content. Yeah, but still. <laughs> you uh... Buddy, puke after doing a beer bong. It's just straight liquid. Yeah, there's man. But beer, it yeah. just looks yeah. like they're a keg. Yes. You know, yeah. it's like they're fountain boy for the minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could never I could never do I could never do a beer bong. I could I could drink a lot of beer, but I could not do a yeah. beer bong, man. I couldn't just gulp, gulp, gulp. No, I have to breathe. There, there are out there are people out there that can do like I, I've seen a few people shotgun those beers, you know, like they do, and this guy oh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean it's amazing what they could do, but or at, those big boots, you yeah, know, yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. You see those German boots, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, the, yeah, at the yards, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I can do, you know. yeah. If you if you guys can develop a situation where you have no fear, I, I can teach you how to drink a beer where you'll drink it faster than anybody else you get in competition with, unless <laughs> unless unless they spill it down their shirt, which happens when you get in competition. Yeah, you yeah. know, somebody'll just start drinking and let it. Spill yeah, down. yeah. All over their shirt. Yes. Go, hey. But um, but here's what you do. 
if you can open your throat up, and you can Google this process, open your throat up, and what that means is that you're no longer really drinking the beer. Yeah, just you're pour just it down. Pouring it down to your stomach, yeah. so you're you're not having to go 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 like. If I get in a beer drinking contest with somebody for speed, uh, I don't gulp gulp at all. I just look at the glass, turn it upside down, straight down to my stomach, and the beer is gone. All mm-hmm. I'm doing is just um, my throat is just a conduit to my stomach. Dump there's, no, there's no gurgling that goes on. Wow. And and you can just annihilate somebody that's gurgling. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I knew some girls back in college who could open up their throats pretty good. Hey, oh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Put that you up <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> oh, man. Well, John, thanks, man, for coming on. That was awesome. We appreciate yeah. it. All righty, guys. It was, was well, uh, a lot of fun, man. Cool, man. Cheers. You guys got good speaking voices. Thanks. Oh, thanks, thanks, man. man. Hey, you know what we need? What's that? We need a new ad for our merch store. Our merch store. I've had a few people reach out to me and ask me, just how do we get What's Your Weird Story merch? Huh. How do we get that What's Your Weird Story merch? What's dash your, spelled Y-E-R, dash weird, dash story dot myspreadshop.com that's what's dash your spelled y-e-r dash weird dash story dot myspreadshop.com that's correct get in touch with us go buy some merch we got some cool stuff yeah dude and you know what if any of our listeners out there has some really cool ideas or has some really cool what's your weird story type art that they want to see on a t-shirt get a hold of us Maybe it'll happen. It's always nice to find a like-minded individual that comes on the podcast. We have a great conversation. We laugh. We talk about music. We talk about whatever weird shit happens in life. And, it, you know, John was one of those dudes that just fit the bill, man. Thank you, John, for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, dude. John really uh, just had a great time talking to you, so we thank you again. Um, love the stories. I love the. Uh, I always love it when somebody's like, you know, uh, well, I don't believe in ghosts, but you know, and, right. and they have this these you know these weird experiences. Yeah. Or, but he's also kind of like us, where it's more of it. It's adjacent, you know. It's right. like the per. It's like. You know, his wife and his son, something happened to them. They saw some, they felt something, but, you know, he's yeah. around it, you know, and he's kind of seen it, but, I mean, he's, he's been around it, but he hasn't seen it, seen it, you know? Right, right. Open to it, you know? Yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. not poo-pooing it, but like, oh, shit, I can't really deny this, you know? It's, I think everybody, uh, you know, comes to the the table with a different amount of reservation when it comes to believing or not in these types of things. And, uh, and sometimes whenever it smacks you in the face, you can't deny it. So mm-hmm. very, very, uh, very cool, very cool conversation with him. Uh, I thought it was funny that, um, that happened in Jerome, Arizona, which just, I just happened to knew a little bit about, I've heard some, some about that area. Um, 
And it sounds like a really cool, outside of that, even sounds like a really cool little spot if you're ever around that area. I know there's a couple of pretty cool restaurants and um, places to visit around there. So it sounds like a cool spot to check out if you're around. I think it's northern Arizona-ish, you know, kind of in the hills. uh, Mm, mm. uh, But but, I could be wrong. My Arizona geography is lacking uh, <laughs> because I went to an American school. Um. <laughs> I only say that because I think it's they have to get precipitation of of some sort because they have great yeah, yeah. you know they wineries up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. But anyway, yeah, man, great stuff. And you know, he's a funny guy. We got to talk about Sam Kennison a little bit, which we really yep. enjoy uh, talking Diamond about. Dave. Diamond Dave, all that man, great, great great stuff just goes to show you again you never know what somebody is going to bring to the table and what kind of stories they're going to tell and we continue to be just blown away by people and what they have to to talk about and you know everyone's got a weird story out there Mm -hmm. even if you don't think it's weird good chances are you've got something that's just a little little off kilter that we'd love to hear absolutely anything that's just you know outside of the normal uh, we love hearing it, you know. So maybe you've had a brush with uh, with fame or greatness, or you know, or or maybe infamy, you know, if like such a like a serial killer as we've had people talk before. Yeah. You know, maybe you, yeah, maybe you have seen a ghost or you know fiddling around with a uh, a Ouija board, uh, you know, or you know contacted uh, you know UFOs or or spirits from beyond. Bigfoot, you know, we love it all. We love it all. We just love hearing your true stories, your, you know, and how how you experienced them, how you felt, what was going on in your mind, you know, if it was, it's, it's, if it happened to you, or you know, maybe even somebody you know personally, you know, like a family member or such, uh, for a historical spin, uh, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to talk to you uh, and have you as a guest here in Weirdsville on the show. Uh, and of course, if you are microphone shy, as some of our friends are, uh, you can email us your story. You can write it out and uh, email it, and we'll of course have it read by our resident uh, Bigfoot expert, uh, special correspondent, and voice of the listener, Mr. Jeff Hubbard. Absolutely, man. Get GitHub, put him to work. Yep, yep. He's begging for it. He's aching for it. You know, so give it to him. <laughs> Finding my way out of that awkward moment. Uh, <laughs> joining us next week, it, back again, uh, another of our serial uh, guests uh, returning is Chantel. And you know, it's that uh, we 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 Barry, we got to consider you know making her a uh, some kind of a, uh, a resident. Yeah, here I agree. Of of of, of Weirdsville, we I agree. Consider that. Maybe yeah, yeah. Figure something out on that. Absolutely, man. But uh, if you want to join us next week, please do. We'd love to have you with us. Uh, we we have all kinds of good stuff coming up this year. Fun stuff. Great stories. Great storytellers. You can be involved. We would love to have you with us. Follow us on our Facebook page. Follow us on our Twitter page or Twitter account. Follow us on our Instagram Follow us. Um, don't not so much at the you know the supermarket or something, uh, but 
if you see us out there, you can say hi. We love that. And uh, we love you guys, Weirdsville. Uh, if you've been here since day one or if this is your first time, we, we love you guys and we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you are what makes this go around. You are what makes this happen. Uh, you and your sharing of stories and your telling of tales and uh, just being such an awesome, supportive podcast community uh, that is we're, we're fortunate to have so many friends in. We, 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 you, you rock. You do rock. You're great. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. All right. We'll see you next time. Till then, be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.